Hey there, it's Charlie O'Shields, back with another episode of Sketching Stuff. I hope everyone who is participating in World Watercolor Month during July is having a blast painting with watercolor. And if you haven't jumped in yet, there's still time. Unless you're listening to this in a different month, in which case, no worries at all, as World Watercolor Month returns each and every year. Since I love sketching stuff, all of my fun happens inside the pages of my sketchbooks, and watercolor has become my favorite way to color. It's a beautiful medium that can be used in so many different ways. While there are many different techniques, my own involves a heavy dose of play. I just love playing with paint like I did back when I was a kid. I would try and do anything back then, so I spend most of my adult life reminding myself of that little boy's infinite curiosity and courage. And in that spirit of fun, I've compiled a set of happy little stories that appeared while I was happily splashing around watercolor. There's certainly a lot of stress in the world today, and I truly believe that making things is the best way to combat that. That, of course, combined with a positive and optimistic attitude. It's a fabulous combination, and one that I hope to get everyone on the planet doing. We deserve a bit of hope and happiness right now, so I hope you'll relax and enjoy this next set of stories that magically popped up one day while I was playing with watercolor. Welcome to Sketching Stuff, a collection of stories sketched from life. Summer Frozen Treats As the heat continues to increase here during summer, frozen treats are really the perfect option. When I was a kid, I'd chase the ice cream truck around to get whatever amazing thing they had to offer. I liked banana bomb pops a lot, something I couldn't find a reference for, so now I think I dreamed of them. But also those strawberry shortcake ice cream bars. Searching for these things made me crave them, so I started looking for healthier options with fruit instead. I'm determined to try to make something like this during the summer, but will probably enlist the services of Philippe because even frozen, it's still a bit like cooking, and I'm rubbish at that. As a child, I also loved the freeze pops or those plastic tubes of colorful liquid that we'd have waiting in the freezer. Mine were some sort of off-brand as I don't even remember a label, and my favorite were the blue ones because food just shouldn't be blue and I felt like a rebel. As an added bonus, it would turn your tongue blue or really more of a purple color, which made it even more fun. I kind of want to try this kind of treat again, but can't quite bring myself to risk the food coloring. So I've already started priming the idea with Philippe and he seemed interested. Perhaps there will be some sort of frozen treat in my future, carefully reconstructed without all the poison. Which, yeah, sort of takes the carefree fun out of it, but it's probably for the best. Honestly, left to my own devices, I probably wouldn't last very long. I'm impulsive and tend to just jump in and do whatever comes to mind. It's actually nice to have someone who helps me show a bit of restraint when it really matters. But oh, I miss those days as a kid when I didn't wonder or worry about anything. Blue food was just cool and I happily enjoyed it. Chips that looked a bit too orange and yet tasted amazing? Bring them on. It was just a fun time. I can't imagine what all of those horrible foods did to my system, but the fun part was I simply never had to care. Today I've grown up and grown more sensible, for the most part. While I do try to watch my general health, I refuse to give up my other childlike tendencies. That impulsive nature to just chase ideas is something I'll fight to keep until I die. 
I never want to be so sensible that I forget how to dream properly. By that, I mean stopping that silly adult critic who thinks he knows how everything should work. That voice that tells me things aren't possible or won't happen like I wish that they would. He's a jerk, and he's so wrong. Things will always turn out awesome just because I took the time to make them happen. And by awesome, I simply mean they will be incredible things that are brand new. Things that I can't fully picture, but just know there's something there. And the end result will be far different than I imagined. But like all good stories, it will be surprising yet inevitable. The exact thing that should happen next. Just like those hot days chasing after the ice cream truck in pursuit of those amazing summer frozen treats. My favorite body part. As I read a prompt once of my favorite body part, I realized that it was rather giggle-worthy as to what someone might come up with. Despite all of the various and nefarious options available, I have to say that eyes are definitely my favorite part of a person. That said, humans and or simply their various body parts are my least favorite thing to paint or sketch, so even this attempt to create a single eye made me dream about the more enjoyable things I could be sketching. But that's all part of the challenge, I guess. It is, however, my own eye, so I guess this would qualify as a self-portrait, so there's that. Not sure if you think it's a good likeness, but if you ever find yourself this close to me, we would actually be kissing, and that could be rather awkward since we haven't really met. Eyes are a fabulous thing when you're with someone you ought to be kissing, though. Well, wonderful and terrifying, actually. The good and bad thing about eyes is their complete inability to lie. Mouths, of course, can be rather good at lying or simply hiding something by staying stubbornly shut. But in the end, the mouth doesn't matter unless you're actually kissing because, for the observant, the eyes will tell you everything you really need to know. Now, whether you really want to know these things is another issue entirely, but if you're on the hunt for truth, look no further than the person's pair of eyes staring back at you. Surprisingly, this even works in a mirror. The problem is, sometimes we don't want to see the truth. In this moment, eyes can be a real pain in the ass, and it's best to simply stare at the mouth. If that proves awkward, then simply kiss it as a means of distraction. I've no idea the lesson in all of this, save to say that eyes are a real bitch. But when they're looking at you in that certain way, the way that says, I love you, they're quite possibly the most wonderful things in the world. That look that warms you all over and tells you that no matter what happens next, everything will somehow be all right. We all know what happens next, and that's when the mouth finally joins in for that kiss. The other body parts come next, of course, but I'll just leave all of that to your own vivid imagination. My favorite ocean creature. I was debating between an octopus and a seahorse as my favorite ocean creature and couldn't decide, so I made a doodle wash of both of them chatting and figured they could simply debate about it and just tell me who wins. 
As a kid, the only seahorses I saw in person were all sadly expired and came in the form of those sun-baked corpses people collect on the beach. Later, I would finally get to see a living one in an aquarium, and I was immediately fascinated with them. My most memorable encounter with an octopus was my freshman year in high school on a visit to New York. At one restaurant, there was a buffet and a bin was filled with an inglorious pile of whole little octopuses waiting to be eaten. I was mortified, mostly because seeing an entire creature served as food has always creeped me out. I didn't partake, of course, but seeing so many of them at once was still fascinating. Once, when I was in Atlanta visiting a friend, we went to the aquarium there. It was amazing to see creatures you could only see if you were scuba diving, which is not something I'd be very good at, as along with my fear of heights, I also have a fear of depths. It was nearing closing time, and I was so anxious to visit all of the exhibits in that time. In my rush, I tripped and sprained my toe. This level of clumsiness is another reason why I would have no business donning scuba gear. It was worth it, though. I really enjoyed the visit. Jellyfish are another type of creature that entrances me, and I stood watching them for quite some time as well, while I was waiting for the pain in my toe to subside. The coolest part about the ocean, though, is its sheer vastness. An estimated two-thirds of all marine life remain unidentified, and around 95% of it still hasn't been explored by humans. It's like there are aliens from another planet living on our very own planet we've yet to make contact with. For example, while there's no proof that mermaids exist, there's no proof they don't actually exist. I like to imagine that there's some wonderfully wild and amazing new creature that will be discovered in my lifetime. So with that in mind, I'll just let these two creatures finish their debate and hold my real vote for my new favorite creature that's still out there, waiting to be discovered. Back in the day of double cheeseburgers. For a prompt of hamburger once, my mind immediately leapt back in time to when I was younger and a double cheeseburger seemed like a completely wonderful idea. I mean, if you love hamburgers, then why not go ahead and have two at once? Brilliant. Of course, looking at this now, the notion is an exercise in grotesque excess, but when I was young, I didn't have such sensible limitations. In fact, when the idea of a triple cheeseburger was introduced, I gave it a try as well. Although I had the metabolism to battle the ridiculous calorie bomb I just ingested, I really don't like to think about what was happening on the inside. Growing up in America, the idea of bigger is better applied to everything under the sun, especially food. My dad used to only take us out to buffets because it was the only way to get your money's worth. It's a bizarre notion, indeed, to think that more food could be the goal versus good food. But that was how I was brought up. Thankfully, I discovered the joy of good food and that less can most definitely be so much more. I keep hoping to adopt a less is more approach with my watercolor, but I tend to render everything I see. That's why I've been trying ink-free paintings lately, and I hope to find a bit looser style. Trying to resist the urge to double up on lines is a struggle for me. 
I actually have something that looks perfectly edible, but it lacks the graphic quality that I love. So I dive right back in with paint. In the end, I hope that even without ink, the habit creates a bit of a style that might make you recognize my work at a glance. When I first started painting, I worried so much that I didn't have a unique style, that look I adored seeing in the paintings of others. But the truth is, when you look at your own work every single day, it's sort of difficult to truly see it. I can tell whether one little doodle wash is kinda cooler than the last, but I can't see beyond that. I'm just too used to seeing my own little illustrations. But when I look back at my early work compared with today, I get a little excited. There's definitely progress. For example, my worst attempt this month is still far better than my worst attempt last year. That, my dear friends, is what you call artistic progress. The truth is, we shouldn't be competing with our best work. There are some days that the stars align and everything comes together so brilliantly you have no idea what just happened, and therefore, you can't really replicate it. I feel that we should instead compete with our worst work. When we look back at our paintings, we should look back at the work that seemed like a good idea at the time, but we didn't like how it turned out. Looking back at this lightly despised piece will tell us everything we need to know. Yep, we're better today than we were back then. We've grown and learned so much along the way. Despite our habits and things we thought were perfectly natural those many days or years ago, we've learned new things that make our work quite different today. It's an extraordinary transition, but that doesn't discount anything that came before it. It's all quite a delicious memory, a time that's brilliant in its own right, like those wonderful moments back in the day of double cheeseburgers. My favorite animal. Dogs are probably my favorite of all animals, but it's really hard to choose because I love each and every animal so much. As an added challenge, I decided to use only two colors for this doodle wash, burnt sienna and ultramarine blue. Actually, I particularly love animal babies of all varieties. I'm immediately smitten when I see a tiny little baby animal, whether it's a puppy or a rhinoceros. I don't, however, have the same reaction to human babies, which drives my mother crazy. Apparently, I'm supposed to erupt in a rush of sugary joy and excitement when confronted with a tiny toddler. This never happens. I just sort of smile and nod. Tiny humans don't have the same immediate appeal to me as tiny animals. Perhaps this is why I've always had a dog by my side while completely forgetting to ever have children. Baby animals are adorable and an upgrade from baby children in that they can't speak. Uh, just kidding, they can, but you're not expected to understand them, which makes the communication go much smoother. I love smelling the top of a puppy's head and yet don't feel the same paternal instinct when smelling the head of a human baby. I've attempted to explain this to my mother who just looks back at me horrified as though I just told her I was dying of some horrible disease. I've always been different, but I think she was hoping I'd be normal in at least one way and deliver a grandchild that didn't pee outdoors and walk on four legs its whole life. But that's the great thing about life and art. We don't have to follow in other people's footsteps if that's not what moves us. So I'll happily enjoy just looking at baby animals and feel comfortable in my reality. 
even though I may be disappointing my mother, I'm being true to myself and in the end, that's all that really matters. We are uniquely who we are and that's what makes us each so beautiful. If everyone did the same things in life, it would be terribly boring. Some of us are meant to go gaga for baby humans and others find that same satisfaction in the eyes of a helpless little puppy. And it's all good. No matter what we love most, it's a beautiful thing when some little creature who needs us gets the love they need each day. My favorite person. Of course, my favorite living person would be my partner, Philippe, but long before we ever met, I've been a fan of Leonardo da Vinci. When I was young, I was fascinated by the reproductions of the intricate drawings from his sketchbooks. These I would find in National Geographic magazines, art books, and encyclopedias because the internet didn't exist. He was a much more prolific sketcher than he was a painter, and his sketchbooks are a treasure trove of ideas. This is unfortunately named Ariel Screw, which many people credit as being the first time someone came up with an idea for our modern helicopter, an invention that would come over 400 years later. This one, mysteriously powered by four men working the crank at the bottom, would never have actually worked, but it's a beautiful example of what it looks like to dream big. Leonardo da Vinci inspired me to always look for new solutions rather than simply be content with what the world is currently delivering to me. Unlike da Vinci, however, I would write down my ideas as words rather than images. I always envied the people I worked with who could sketch things. It seemed like such a magical ability and a much more effective way to envision ideas. My early attempts at sketching in my notes were horrific. My sketches of ideas looked like a group of stick figures got drunk at a party and decided to culminate the evening with a suicide pact. I assumed I was just a man of words and I would leave drawing to those who were more talented. Until July 2015 when I finally decided to go for it and start sketching and painting regularly. That's when I realized something important that da Vinci was trying to teach me. Practice. The countless sketchbooks that he filled were not only a means of getting ideas onto paper, but the very method of becoming a skilled draftsman. Looking at his earliest drawings, you can see that there are hints of talent, but they pale in comparison to his later works. Heralded a genius, the reality is that he simply never stopped making things. If you make something each and every day, you'll continue to improve. It's a sinisterly simple formula. When others look at da Vinci and see someone with immense talent, they forget that they're looking at someone who just had immense discipline and a true passion. This is what drives me today. I'm not trying to become a great painter or sketcher so much as simply trying to learn something new each and every day. As da Vinci once said, learning never exhausts the mind. Thanks so much for listening to the Sketching Stuff podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, and new episodes will be added bi-weekly. Visit me at sketchingstuff.com to share your comments and stories.